Hello and welcome to another episode of On The Topic. And this week we're going up, up and away with a certain South Sea creative. But before that, I'm Alex. And we don't kick our guests off the show. We don't kick people off our Zoom calls like Jackie Weaver. I'm Dan. So today we are joined, as uh, we mentioned, by Sonic Sky Services. We're joined by Mike, Sarah and George. Good morning, guys. Good Good morning. morning. Uh, Welcome to the show. Um, So... I mean, we'll talk about the documentary shortly, but what have you guys been sort of up to during the pandemic and, uh, you know, what have you been doing to keep yourself busy? Oh, it's been been an interesting journey. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll let Sarah speak about this, actually. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, we, um, we had George um, on the 2nd of July last year. So we, we've had our, our first born, which has been, been interesting. Um, but really... Um, it's just been about, a, oh God, there's been so much, Mike, hasn't there? Um, go on, you start. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah's finding it a bit overwhelming. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so last year it was, it was bizarre. So it was, um, it was a big growth year for us. Mm. We just moved into our first office, um, December 2019. Uh, first employees in January uh, at Apprentices. And... We, we had our best months ever and, and March hit, lockdown hit and and everything went a bit quiet. And we found ourselves in a position where we were looking at all kinds of options to, to keep going and keep safe and well and uh, be be ready for baby George when, when he came along. So we, we crowdfunded, um, which was an interesting experience. They, they gave us a lot of help and... Um, the, the idea was that we were raising money to save the company. So um, it, it led on to uh, a huge project, a massive project. We, we, we crowdfunded to produce. Oh, wow. That's it, George. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's like, Come on, Dad, you stop talking now. Great input. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so we, we crowdfunded to produce uh, three short videos uh, showing empty streets uh, perhaps put a poem to it and, and some nice music mm. and during the crowdfunding uh, we realized it was it was picking up and we, we got a few working inquiries in as well and we thought well actually we're in a good position here to make a bit of a difference and uh, the more people I spoke to for permissions to fly the drone the more we realized there were some that's it. So, some, uh, <laughs> some really interesting stories out there, and people were adapting, and it just it just felt right to to capture things as as they were happening. So, about a month later, realised that we we're actually filming a documentary. There was so much, wasn't there? There was so much good that was going on yeah. in the area that a lot of people didn't know about. Um, that we just felt like it, it it needed to be recorded, didn't we? Yeah, just 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 had to be done and um there's there's just so much going on that you just the, the news was was quite gloomy at the time yeah. um, and people mm. didn't know what was going to happen everyone was really unsure lots of people were scared and being able to to capture all, all the all these different positive things happening was was really special um so, <laughs> so, <laughs> so lockdown was was predominantly spent filming lots of filming 
And just on that, so I've got a just a follow up question for you, yourselves. So I've actually got it on in the background. I've worn out my iPad in my makeshift office, and I can see okay. you speaking currently uh, at thirty minute mark, and you're speaking speak to Southsea Cycles. Um, and I guess my question is about. So you mentioned there's lots of good on you know going on, and perhaps people don't know about it. How did you uncover that? Because I guess people were quite disconnected. Yeah, they have been quite disconnected and continue to be during this kind of this very odd kind of weird period of of the world. And it's 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 great that you guys want to go out there and try and grab it and to tell a story and to play that back and to put a, put a spotlight. But how do you physically go about doing that with the the number of restrictions, varying restrictions that I guess the UK have had, let alone the world? How did you do? You use social media? Did you? To use your networks in South Sea and Portsmouth, how do you go about undigging, kind of digging up those stories to, to you know to help put it all together? Really, really interesting story, actually. So mm. we, ha- having not made a documentary before, we d- we didn't know, and and we didn't expect it was just going to happen so so naturally. Um, we put a few call outs on on social media on LinkedIn just to, to people to see to gauge interest and see see who might be be up for being involved and I, th- I think we probably had maybe one response from that um so the response was quite low um the actual the way it happened was was really just amazingly organic every every person we so we, we started off at speaking to one person it just grew, and, and it, it grew from there they, they still were, why don't you go and see so and so because they're doing a great thing they've, they've adapted and this is what they're doing to help other people um that's what you should that's perhaps who you should go and see next and and it just progressed really organically like that and um we just contacted people and got so much interest yeah yes yeah, so as soon as we rung rung the the the, uh, the organization or, or person who had been recommended to, um, they they just they were more than more than happy for us to come and visit and and uh, do some filming with them. And the the restrictions were were a concern, and it was a constant worry uh, whilst I was filming, um, and a little, little bit stressful. But the positives over overcome that and. Uh, the, the Portsmouth City Council, at the beginning of the project, they provided us with permission um, to undertake the filming uh, throughout the pandemic, which was which was amazing, and that that sort of gave us the confidence to do our own risk and method statements and just make yeah. sure we, we're as careful as we could be, um, whilst trying to be as relaxed as possible filming a documentary. Because if you're if you're really uptight, then you know we, we wouldn't have got um, good results really. Um, so it was. Yeah, it was testing. It was hard. Um, yeah. yeah, it's interesting stuff. And we, we've got a follow-up question a bit later on from one of our listeners, Claire, who who asked a question about the dynamics of, of going about that. But we'll save that to, to a little bit longer. But um, it's it's just interesting that people are quite forthcoming, wanted to tell their story. And it's great that you guys have been able to kind of wrap that up and to... To shine a light on it, because otherwise we wouldn't, we wouldn't know. You know, yeah. my, I myself, uh, you know... Uh, I'll be a good citizen. I'll, I'll do as I'm told, and I'll stand on the doorstep and I'll clap for, for the NHS. But that's that's your bubble, that's your world. And unless someone goes out there and, and, and tells that story, we won't know. So I think it's it's great that you've got the documentary out there to kind of help 
show that side of Portsmouth that perhaps people weren't aware of or, or couldn't have seen because they're at home. So it is, it's, it's been a great project. Yeah, that's brilliant. I'm glad, glad you think so. And yeah, definitely. Every, everyone we sort of visited, it was, um, they, were, they were just, it was all, I, I felt that it, they, they came across really proud of, of what they were doing and they it, it made made them happy being part of it, I think, and, and made me feel good doing the filming too, because um, I knew it was just, just knew it was something unique that would be good to, to look back on. Um, it's no. ver- it's very uplifting you know I, I watched it I think um, just before Christmas I think you guys had dropped it around sort of early December if I recall yeah that's it it was um, it was tricky because we we didn't ever know when we were going to finish filming and we didn't really appreciate how long it would take to edit and, and put it together and we we thought bringing it out just before Christmas was was a, a nice time um, because it's something to feel good for people to, to watch on the build up to Christmas rather than start the new year with perhaps memories of, of, um, of, of, of yeah, 2020. So it was, uh, mm. what's that, Sarah? I'm oh, sorry. Yeah. Of, of, of 2020 and loss. Um, yeah, we wanted something positive for people just to, Really go into the new year with, yeah, with a different, with a different a feel good vibe. Yeah, that's it. Mm. So I dived in on your Instagram stories because there's a, like a whole like story reel you guys have put up about the documentary, and uh, I'm, I've sort of plucked out a few features and numbers which are, I've got questions myself. Okay. Um, so just sort of for our listeners, so the feature it features local businesses, attractions, key workers, charities, artists. Um, interiors and exteriors are landmarks, venues, museums, and politicians. But here on on the topic, we love our numbers. So um, it took you nine months of shooting and editing, 64 locations, eight batteries per drone shoot, which is, I mean, no mean feat, 19 hours of video footage, 6.1 terabytes of footage. I've got questions about this one, guys. 982 mil deals. <laughs> I've, I've done the maths that's about 2,946 £2, pounds I mean for anyone that do, I've been in situations right where I've been in London for example uh, pre, pre-COVID and you'd be walking around Tesco and people from like other countries come up so what's a meal deal so just for anyone that is listening outside of, of the UK uh, that doesn't know what a meal deal is it's basically a sandwich a packet of crisps and a drink for three quid yeah Bargain. Yeah, bargain. Either from Sainsbury's or Tesco's, depending. Or, or other stores. <laughs> Before I start dive more into the numbers, I need to ask, is that an actual number or did you just pluck that from the air? <laughs> Let Mike ask that one. <laughs> that, that number might have been slightly, um, <laughs> slightly altered. <laughs> there were a, a lot. There were a lot of meal deals. <laughs> uh, of course, um, baby George was born. Uh, you had one concerned wife in Sarah. Uh, this is relatable to us. 216 interrupting seagulls or shite hawks, as we call them here. <laughs> 22 all night editing sessions. And then through the crowdfunding, you raised £5,182. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. I mean, that's, 
it sort of blows my mind because I mean I watched that documentary. If it say it's positive, it's uplifting. It really does show the community spirit of of Portsmouth, and I think you know I, I talk about the community spirit. You know when. Um, I'm sorry to sort of go off topic, don't want to alienate anyone, but when our football club was literally on its knees and about to die, we came together and we bought it and we were fan-owned for four years. Oh, um, wow. And then we sold to Michael Eisner, who used to own Disney. But little pop culture reference for, for our listeners. That was brilliant, isn't that? So, yeah, I mean, I, I do really feel like the documentary sort of really sort of shows that community spirit of, of Portsmouth and, and the island and what you can do when you all come together. That's it. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how it sort of relates to other areas of the country. I mean, I don't know what goes on in London, I think, but for me, like that's this is home. Yeah, yeah, and and I, I think it, I think Portsmouth has has done done everyone proud um, last year. Um, there was some, there was people just making huge differences all over the city, and there, there was a big emphasis on making sure people could could get food were, were fed and i think that was great and and you know we we were we were worried at one point when when it first during the first lockdown about getting food we our our fridge got to a stage where it's completely empty we'd used everything in the cupboards and thought, oh crikey we've got to we've got to go shopping now yeah and um, i was pregnant as well and obviously we so we were sort of um yeah we, we sort of understood where other people were coming from and and how they would feel. So it was uh, when, when I popped into Pompey in the community to see what they were doing there. That was that was pretty special, mm. um, and I thought it was great. The players were getting involved too. Uh, that was that yeah. was really really good. Oh, of course, you had Christian Burgess and um, I forget the lad's name. He was um, on loan at the time. Uh, Cameron McGeehan. That's it. So I sort of, I sort of noticed them. Oh, I miss Christian Burgess. He's a lovely bloke, actually. He did a lot for the community as, as a player and um, just an individual. He did a lot yeah. of charity raising and sort of going out and helping people. It was amazing. Yeah, he was a great guy, and it was, um, it's also pretty. It was, it was, it was really nice meeting the uh, the legend, Pompey legend, Alan Knight. Um, yeah, and and hearing him speak about his experience. And it was just really, it's just a really honest, um, straight from the heart talk uh, about why he got involved and, and what they were doing. It was just, yeah, really, really His good. This particular part, actually, in the documentary, I think I felt really heartfelt. Like one of the parts when I watch it back, I just, I don't know, it just, it just makes me, makes me proud to 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 live in Portsmouth and, yeah, and, and I, I was born in Portsmouth. And and uh, we we both grew up in Surrey, and so Sarah's a Pompey girl now. She got, <laughs> she got married here as well. <laughs> oh, nice! We actually moved here nine years ago to uh, on the twelfth of March. So not yeah, we've we've been here for nine years now, and um, absolutely love it. Wouldn't wouldn't live anywhere else, would we? Uh, there's there's always something going on. Yeah. Um, Apart from when we're in lockdown, it's a, it's a little bit quieter. <laughs> no, but even then, I think you guys have shown that there's still some good going on. And mm. you mentioned about some of those standout moments, you know, with visiting and, and speaking to people. I mean, were there any other kind of moments that, apart from, of course, the, the whole project, was were there anything that really stood out for you guys that you enjoyed? Or there was, um, 
every, well, every shoot had a special moment for me. Um, really did. And, and I think, I think the, the joint one we felt, uh, was at the very end, uh, when we, when we filmed with Father Bob down at St. Mary's church, cause it was the, it was the first shoot that Sarah joined me on and it was George's first ever shoot as well. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So all three of us went on that one and it was just, um, it was a really good, it just summed everything up. It was, um, he's, a, he's a great speaker and, and he just, just made, made you feel good. Yeah. Made you feel good. It was, it was brilliant. Yeah. Um, but I, I think the, I like the, 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 the go create part yeah. as well. So I don't think a lot of people know about go create. They don't. And, and I, I didn't know anything about go create and they're a really special organization that we, 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 we were only with them for a really short period of time. I think we're only there for, for a couple of hours. And in that time we, we learn about what they do and how they do it and, and got to meet some of the fast, fantastic people there. And, and it was quite, um, it was really heartwarming, really special, really, really special. The, I'll give you an example of one of the, one of the moments there. It was, um, there was uh, two guys, Dave and Dave and, oh oh no, I can't think of his name now. Um, Dave, (laughs) (laughs) Dave and Dave. (laughs) And, uh, they were talking about what they do at Go Create and it's, basically a um a place where people go to uh, who have got learning difficulties or, or or they're perhaps autistic and they they go through a a, a care system and uh, to, to bring them to a point where they're they're able to work essentially and, and get paid for it and and on site they can build um chairs tables herb gardens all sorts of amazing um, items that they that they then sell on an Etsy shop, uh, which is just is just such a good idea, and they were able to continue that throughout lockdown. And Dave and Dave uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, talked, uh, set up this amazing little um, showcase of everything they they make, and we didn't realise they were going <laughs> to. Okay, <laughs> we didn't, didn't realise they were going to literally talk us through every product, but it was they did, and it was it was really special. Um, it was just it was filmed on the fly. I only had one camera, so I was struggling with a vintage lens, with a manual lens, trying to make sure everything was captured during this really special moment. And um, it, it was just amazing. Mm. Like, so they, they, it's just the fact that they stood there so proud yeah. and spoke about what they'd made and Mike said that, you know, after that he finished shooting, there was a, uh, you know, um, people behind him clapping, you know, because we were just so impressed and everyone was just so proud that these two young guys had stood there and, and explained everything so well. And it just really, it was just so, so lovely. Wasn't it? Yeah. It was, it was definitely an eye watering moment. Um, So it turned around and, and, Everyone on site was was clapping because um, of what they'd just done. It was just yeah, it was really special, really really special. Um, and I, I think yeah, le- leading on from Go Create, uh, visiting Enable Ability um, was 
was really special because um, it's not if if you don't know um, anyone who's got a, um, a a child with learning difficulties or or disabled, um, you might not understand how how they were dealing with things during the pandemic and. To see what they were doing down there was was just great. They, they were just they were cracking on. Kids were happy. Um, spoke with with one one kid who was uh, sat on a fort talking about that he'd just been to the Legoland and and obviously he hadn't been. He'd had a great time with his mates and and imagined he was. So um, that was it was that really was, sweet, wasn't it? It was really really sweet and it was so special and just. Um, being able to witness that was was just and and capture it was yeah yeah it it meant so much at that point i just thought oh my wow you know we've we are capturing something so special mm. um mm. Did, you, did you guys think that you would ever think like that as you started the project or or, or were you always <laughs> i guess look, no. did you ever look go into these projects think actually you know what I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get that feeling. Or I'm gonna. I'm gonna capture that moment. Or was it? It just happened, and it was a, you know, just, a happy circumstance. Yeah, it, it just completely happened. It was so special. I had no idea anything like that could possibly happen. No. And um, it was just all so organic. Yeah. It was just all. It just happened, and, and we didn't. There was no no scripting, no um, retakes. It was just. Um, you know, we, I'd, I'd, I'd turn up and explain to people what we were doing, have a little chat, and find out a bit about what they've been doing, and and then you know, explain that I was going to film around them for for half hour, an hour, um, ah! perhaps, and just capture a bit of what they're up to, and and then do some bits to camera, and and it was all just so, it just flowed, it, it just happened. Yeah, it's really really special. Yeah. So uh, we got a voice message from Claire um, and she said this. Hiya, I absolutely love the documentary. I thought it was really, really good. Um, My question is, were people reluctant to be filmed because it meant being around extra people during a pandemic? No, no. Um, Everyone, everyone we spoke to was... They, they just, I think I said it earlier, that everyone was really proud to be involved in, in the project and and they felt... They felt safe though, didn't they? Felt because safe, we made yeah. them feel safe. We, That's it. We ensured that we had everything in place. Yeah. Um, you know, we were following all guidelines, um, if not more. Um, we did have um, one lady... Um, uh, towards the end of the documentary, um, who, what she did feel very, very nervous, um, but we made her feel Who's very, that? very comfortable. Who's that? Um, the lady for St. Mary's. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, bless her. Yeah, we, we visited um, a lady at, a, at her home address and filmed her in her front garden. Um, and she, she was, yeah, she, she, was, she, was um, nervous she at- did a really good piece to camera and... Yeah. But we made her feel very. That's it. Yeah, yeah. There was a way to everyone. It's we. I kind of dealt with each person and scenario and company in a similar way to what we do for commercial work, which is mm. everyone's treated um, differently, and and each situation is bespoke um, and unique. So 
there was a, a way to go about every every shoot. And yeah, there were there were a lot of microphone muffs and a lot of disinfectant, disinfectant, a lot of disinfectant. And, and spray. Um, but and distancing yeah. was the main thing, wasn't it? Yeah, and and we felt that I, I think another reason why they yeah distancing was a big big factor. Um, but I, I think one of the main reasons they didn't they did feel really safe was that they were going through the same situation themselves to be able to do what they were doing. Um, and they could, they could really appreciate what we were doing in that sense. Mm. Um, so it just, it, yes, George. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great input, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so, it, so it just, um, yeah, it just felt really good. It didn't. Um, I, I think I, I probably felt more more nervous than anyone else because yeah. I was thinking, oh crikey, you know, yeah. the, uh, have the, have the guidelines changed again today or has yeah. something changed or um, could I be doing something wrong? Or? And there was more pressure really to sort of get things sort of in the first take as well so that you weren't on site for any longer than That's what you it, needed yeah. to be. And... Yeah, it was all quite quite methodical yeah. um, after the first few shoots. I think that poses a, a really good kind of interesting take on it. You know, it's rules do and have changed and continue to change so often that you you kind of really have to be up on it and I guess a follow-up question we've got for one of our listeners is do you ever think as you were doing this that you ever I guess at any stage bit off more than you can chew and oh, you ever, like, <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and and how did you how did you overcome those challenges because of course you did and you've got a wonderful documentary so you, you oh, clearly, you clearly yeah. did but what what were they and how did you overcome those um so the, the the big one for me was when there were two realizations one was when i thought oh we're actually filming a documentary here and i need to learn how to make a documentary so that was <laughs> so, you, so you, you guys never done one before no this no. is your first oh wow this is Mike this is Mike down to a T Mike loves a challenge like uh, you'll never meet anyone like Mike he will take on oh you, you, you love a challenge don't you I do you do I do and um, I'm quite tough on myself as well and so that was that was the first realisation I thought oh crikey and that that ended up with me ringing lots of local um, documentary filmmakers for, for advice and assistance and lots of YouTubing, you know, how to make your first documentary. And, and uh, that, that was quite scary. And then I think the, the next time I realized that I bit off more than I could chew was, <laughs> <laughs> was um, it was, uh, I joined, uh, there's a local networking session called Take Time. I think it's every Tuesdays and, run by a, a great guy called Ben and it's it's all about local creatives speaking about any problems and helping each other overcome them and and uh, I jumped on my first one and I said look I'm, I'm making this documentary and, and we're about four or five months into filming I don't know when to stop and and uh, I think I've bitten off more than I can chew. I literally said that. So <laughs> <laughs> um, that was probably the next one. And and then then after that, it kind of um, we just all got together. Me, Sarah, uh, Lauren, and and Ethan, and we just looked at it all and thought, well, we've got to watch every frame, and mm. and figure out figure out some kind of order. And 
and the, the story we want to tell and how we want people to feel when, when they watch it. So, um, yeah, testing very hard, <laughs> but, but good. If, if it wasn't, if it wasn't a challenge, then, then I, I don't know. It was, it was, I think it was a challenge at the right time. Challenge mm. at the right time. It's nice to, I'm, I'm quite a focused person and it was nice to be able to focus on something so positive, um, to, to ensure that we were making some, some kind of difference and to share with other people to share it with other people and to bring George into the very best possible scenario um, situation yeah in such difficult times so there was yeah so, so much behind it but yeah bitten off more than we could chew yeah on, on many many occasions, many occasions. yeah <laughs> I suppose, I mean, it is, it's a tough time to be a creative. I mean, I know me and Alex sort of speak personally when, you know, I think when we um, started trying to record through lockdown, we were like recording on our phones before we could even sort of work out what we were really doing. It's, it okay. has been challenging. So, I mean, I completely understand, but I can't imagine the, the, the lengths you guys have had to go through to, to do a documentary. I just think it's, it's, it's mind blowing, but it's beautiful at the same time. Oh, I'm glad glad you think so. It was, um, yeah. Actually, dealing with the the footage as well was difficult because it was all it was all filmed in pretty high high quality, um, and dealing with the large large files and that amount of, of files was just unbelievable. So, I, I did a, a film project this week, for example, for a company, and um, it just felt like a complete breeze compared to the documentary it was it was just it was really difficult managing all the all those files and and getting the right hardware in place and organizing it it was it was so methodical in the end it really was and it had to be otherwise we couldn't we couldn't pull it together so we've got we've got a question for one of our listeners and then i'm going to sort of throw something off a little bit more um so i'm going to add a question on top of the question so um Father Bob's speech is beautiful. He sums up 2020 perfectly, as you mentioned earlier. Did you know after recording his speech that was how you would end the documentary? And I suppose to that end, did the documentary sort of come to an end naturally or did you make the decision that that's enough, we just need to get this done now? It was, um, we thought afterwards, we, we were surprised with what he said, actually. We were surprised how good it was and not, not, through not knowing him, I think he's he's renowned to be a very good speaker. Uh, we, we've learned afterwards, and it's listening back to the recording. As soon as we listened back to it, um, I'd say two or three weeks, well, about two weeks afterwards, um, we just thought, well, wow, that's that's got to be the that's got to be the finale. Yeah, I mean, um, when he was speaking, when we were there, we were just in awe of him, weren't we? Yeah. When we heard him talk and, and we were like, as somebody that can just just do that um, and publicly speak and just everything that he said was just... Just a complete natural speaker. And, and yeah. the, way he, the way he summed it up was, was just, yeah, it was, it, was, it was perfect, really. And we didn't actually really have an order at that point as to how we were going to plan things. No. Mm. Um, but but with hearing that, um, we thought that that would be a great ending. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. Yeah, very, very special, wasn't it? Yeah. I guess to that to that point, so for anyone who's listening and perhaps hasn't seen the documentary, or perhaps we have quite a few listeners uh, oddly across the world. I don't quite know how we've got to that point, but we have. Um, what would you say to encourage them to go to, to, to YouTube and check out the, uh, the, the the film and the footage? How would you sum up the, kind of the experience and, and what you're looking to get over to anyone who's watching it? Yeah, I, I, I think I'll... Do you want to go first, Sarah? Yeah, I think it, it just is sort of in the title, sort of a different perspective of Portsmouth. Um, I think all around the world and everywhere, everyone's, we, it, everyone's dealing with this at the moment in, in a way that they can. And Portsmouth is a brilliant place and for those who know it, um, it it's it's great. It is absolutely brilliant documentary to watch because you see everything that's going on and everything's very familiar. Mm. But as well, if you're not from Portsmouth, it's great to watch because you see how a city can work together to help their, you know, to help local people, um, it is just—it's a feel good. It's just feel good for everybody. I feel. Mm, yeah, I, I think there's following on from that. I, th- I think there's some some really good underlying messages, and I, I'd say to to anyone, if I was on the phone to someone now from the across the other side of the world, I'd say, um, you know, it's great. It's it's a good opportunity watching watching this documentary is a good opportunity to give you yourself some headspace, time to think, um, reflect, and absorb some really positive stories from from the other side of the world, um, and and to to I think it's yeah it's just it's special. I think it's special, and and we we want to take people on a journey of emotion. And yeah, yeah, I think that's it. A journey of positive emotion. Uh, I know me and Alex are sort of going to move away in a second, but this will be the last question around the documentary. Um, We've both got some techie questions we want to ask. Um, But what advice or guidance would you give to anyone setting out to create a documentary? Okay. Um, That's a good one. Yeah, it's a good one. So there's, there's a few different types of documentary and... Um, so it depends what type of documentary you're looking at, whether it's capturing something as it in, as it unfolds, like an event or a pandemic, and, <laughs> um, or, or perhaps you're you're speaking to someone who's had a really interesting life and they've got a great story to tell. Um, so there, there's two different ways to approach it, really. And I, th- I think the, the oh, where do you start with it? So so it's. <laughs> planning yeah you've, you've got to plan it and and there's only so much planning you can do with with an event that's unfolding before your eyes and look looking back on on that kind of documentary it would to it would be to to make sure you've um you know what kit you're filming on i think and that and it's not going to get too to a stage where you've got so much footage you're you're struggling to, to um to get the processing power to deal with it. So that's it, isn't it? We, we filmed a lot, but then obviously it was getting it 
preparing it, etc. That's yeah. that, I think that's the main challenge that we was, came across. Wasn't was difficult. It? Yeah, we went through a motherboard and hard drives and all sorts. Yeah. So wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's that's quite important. But I, I, I think if you're if you're preparing a documentary for for something that's already happened, or you've got the info and you can do the research, you you can approach it in a completely different way. And you can you can have your story planned before you even approach any filming. Um, you can have all your research in place, and mm. and it'd be completely different, quite interesting. And you can you could then interweave the stories quite a lot more, um, which would be good. So so I'd say a, a, a good tip would be to research documentary making before you start. <laughs> without doubt yeah without doubt this this one just came up and it just happened and if anybody's um, got any questions and they're more than welcome to to contact us yeah to, to get in touch and, and we'd we'd love to we'd love to be a part of more documentary projects in the future yeah um, fantastic yeah it's it's just it's really good and um i'd love to speak to more people who who love what they do and to capture that on film for them in a in a in a unique way and collaborate with other filmmakers to to help them on on their journey it's um yeah planning is is crucial um who who you're going to produce the documentary with um music music is is essential to the story mm. absolutely essential that that drives the emotions and, and the thinking process um so that that's important um yeah, he, and, and the time to allow yourself to to produce it. I think. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously, people do have deadlines when things need, you know need to mm. be um, put out, etc. But you really need to give yourself uh, enough time. Yeah. Um, to and, to really perfect it. And and talking about time, you you can make a a brilliant documentary filmed in one day. You can film a documentary in a mm. day and and edit it over two or three days and it could be great or or you could think well actually I'm, I'm going to allow myself a, a couple of months to film this and collate everything get it together and, and it and it could still be you know just as great it's it's having a good story is crucial yeah um to documentary filmmaking yeah and how much time i'm not sure if we asked this question earlier but how much time did it actually take once you once you, you felt you, you captured everything to actually getting out there in december what how what how long was that editing process for yourselves on this one? It took it took about four weeks to plan the editing. Mm. So just oh, so even before you start the editing, you've got to plan. Yeah, of course, the, you know, yeah, storyboard yeah. thing, I guess. Yeah, it was. Mm. Um, it was really yeah. The planning took a long time. That, that was about four weeks, and um, yeah, that was anything from you know what what order we were going to look at um, displaying the stories, whether we would. Um, combine some of the stories and interlace them or um, go for the more more of a journey approach um, it was yeah the planning was tricky and then it was looking at the hardware and how we how we organize all the, the files right through to we actually had to learn a lot about audio levels um, which I, I I hadn't really learned about before um, so making sure all, all the, the audio levels for the speech were, were normalized. Um, so that, that was tricky. And then the actual editing process, it was, oh, lots of l overnighters. There were, there were quite a few overnighters. Yeah. Um, 
it was strenuous. It, it took that was another, I'd say another four weeks, but long, long days. And they were, um, I, I did a lot of ed, the editing, and we quite um, we we made the decision to bring on a my second apprentice, um, and he he loves editing, so so he was sort of learning whilst he was editing as well uh, with me. Um, funny enough, he made his own film during lockdown uh, before he was with us. It was a music video that featured himself. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was a long process and, and everyone got involved. Um, Sarah got involved. Um, my my mum reviewed parts of it. Um, a couple of our friends. It was it was a real process. And, um, there's a there's a guy we work with um, who's worked with us from the beginning, actually, called Jeeves. Uh, he does a lot of our, our copywriting and graphic design. He he did the subtitles from the other side of the world in, in Mexico, which was which was pretty amazing. Oh wow! Um, and he he helped with the launch of the documentary as well. So he he was um, working with us on on blogs and and social posts, uh, which which worked really well. So it's just all of that was happening at the same time as the editing was being finished. Um, so it's quite a, an intense build-up, an intense build-up. but intense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, great. And it's, it's you know, it's, it sounds like you, you do need to call upon others to, to kind of give their opinions as you shape oh, kind of how you want to look and feel. But it's, it's uh, I, I did wonder, with the amount of just footage that you've got, how do you get to the point where you, you call it a day? But... Uh, weeks and weeks and weeks and all night it sounds like that's the way to do it yeah yeah it was um it was so difficult and at, at the start of the editing I thought right this is not going to be longer than an hour long it can't be it can't be longer than an hour because I just thought it'd be too, be, be too long otherwise and uh, we just couldn't couldn't reduce it any anymore because there were so many good stories yeah and and there were there's, there's quite a bit we didn't include as well from from the same shoots um that, that we're, we're probably making to many docs in the future but yeah i was going to ask about the the unused footage you've yeah you, you've got a plan for those i guess we we're in the planning stage <laughs> yeah so <laughs> in the planning stage it'd be really nice to to revisit everyone yeah and and to do follow-up pieces and and you could do something sol- solely on them really which would be really nice um, but at, at the moment, it's a, uh, yeah, planning stages. It's uh, we didn't expect lockdown three. No, didn't expect no. that. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a peculiar time, isn't it? But it is. It's just yeah, we, we're just really pleased to get it out before Christmas, so that people had a chance to to watch it. Um, yeah, yeah, it's good. No, definitely. Well, um, that's that's really fascinating to hear about the the documentary process. Um, so, really appreciate you guys talking us through it. I mean, we've got a couple of non-documentary specific kind of questions, and there's some from I guess me and Dan because we, I mean, we I wouldn't say we even enthusiast Dan. We've both got drones. We're very mm. safe, and we okay. are we're appropriate with them. I've got a a very small spark 
DJ Spark. Um, Dan, what have you got? Uh, I got I got the Mavic Mini just before oh, yeah. lockdown last year. A uh, okay. little drone, but I suppose in a nutshell, we'd like to sort of know a little bit more about drone laws and maybe what good etiquette is. Because I'm always quite conscious when I'm putting my drone yeah. up in the air, like what should I not be taking pictures of and hey. all that stuff. I've I've got to say I'm I'm quite nervous. So I've I've got a, lo- a couple of lovely shots. I think in. February 2019, I think, where it was snowed. The rough time that Portsmouth gets snowed, which isn't often. But that's because it was empty and it's quite comfortable and no one's around. But I don't, whilst I've got my license because of the the weight classification of the the, the Spark, I'm still not really comfortable too much when there's people around. So it'd be interesting to kind of get your views from a a professional, because you are, kind of what, what, what are the etiquettes and kind of good hints and tips, I guess. Sure. Um, yeah, great, great question. It's there's never been a better time to get into the drone industry. I don't think uh, the the CAA who control the airspace in in the UK have. Um, I think they're encouraging innovation and the use the safe use of drones within the UK, which which is which is really good. And I say within the UK, there are um, other. Um, bodies that regulate airspace in other countries that, that do the same thing. But um, we're, we're only really experienced in the UK so far. And um, it's so, so there's different weight categories of drones. And there's drones uh, below 250 grams that you can, that have been deemed by the CAA to fly safely near people, um, over people and near property as well. Um, so I would say starting with a drone less than 250 grams mm. is is the best way to go at the moment and, and probably for a long time because um, they've what they've said is you, you literally just need to read the instruction manual um, and having commercial insurance to, to fly it commercially. And yeah. up until um, the end of last year, to fly even a lightweight drone, like that um you you couldn't fly in a congested area you had to be 150 meters away Mm -hmm. and that's now been been taken away so as which which is great for for these these smaller drones and i'd say that the biggest tip to flying safely is to to uh not to intrude anyone's privacy so i'll say that's that's yeah. Number two, actually, that's number two. Number one is to, to not negli- negligently or recklessly endanger anyone um, mm-hmm. during the flights. That's number one. And then number three is also to to not fly in any restricted flight areas. Yeah. Um, that's that's really important. Um, Portsmouth is a great place to fly drones, and 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 all, all, a lot of the coastal areas around us as well. Um, but I'd, I'd definitely recommend a small drone to start with because um, it's just a great you, you you will naturally feel less nervous flying one because um, it's smaller and it's less obtrusive um, people are going to be become used to seeing more of these small drones flying safely around places um, so that's that's a great way to start and the, the cameras are actually really good you can get so 12 megapixel sensors um, mm. you can shoot in raw um hdr photos uh, so you can play with the colors afterwards they're 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 a great starter um and then 
you've also got good airmanship. So if there's another, if you see another drone flying near you, um, it's good to, it's not, it's a good idea to, to try and find the pilot and have a little chat and just check. You're not going to get in each other's way. Mm. Um, cause they, they might not know that you're about to fly and, um, yeah, that's, that's quite important. Um, but it's, it's important to enjoy the tech and have faith in it as well. It's, um, a lot of the drones now they've got GPS, so you yeah. can set return to home. Both of yours have GPS, so you can set return to home. Indeed, uh, yeah. Return to home height, just make sure it's higher than the nearest tree or house. Um, and and it's yeah, have have faith in the tech. Make sure you can see it at all times as well. Yeah, and I think that's one of the toughest things for me is just just trusting it. But it's they are intelligent bits of kit, at least what we've got, and it's just it's being comfortable and and. And being sensible, I think the the, the 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 things which I I take away when you'd you'd fly to here and there. But I guess in terms of tech, then so we got a question from Paul, who said, you know, what 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 camera, what drones do you use, and how do you get the quality just so crystal clear okay. in in kind of the, the the stuff that you do? Okay, well that's a that's a nice question. We've um so we've got eight different drones, wow, um, fleets. Yeah, fleet of drones. I keep threatening Sarah to that I'm going to hang them up on the wall in the front room. <laughs> Funny enough, the answer's no. Yeah. <laughs> We've all been there, Mike. We've all been there. That's it. Yeah, we're, we're currently, we moved out of our office space, which is empty at the moment. And we're, we're at home at the moment. So that's the idea. But yeah, so eight different drones. There's a different drone for... They're like tools, um, so there's a different tool for each job, and it's you. You can similar to ground cameras, you can you can take a great photo on a pinhole camera that you've made from a cardboard box with a hole mm. in it. Um, but you could you could have um, somebody doesn't know how to operate the camera using a four thousand pound camera. You you can't get a, a good shot. So. Um, so I'd, I'd say it starts with composition. Composition is really important to, to learn about composition. Um, and then it's the camera settings. So you can either learn to, to shoot manual, which which is what I recommend so you get the, the best exposure. Um, and it's, it's really about knowing how to get the most out of the, the bit of equipment you're, you're flying with, um, is what I'm trying to say, essentially. So yeah. it's... Um, it's learning the limitations. So when, at what ISO setting is, is it going to start to introduce noise? Um, how, how slow can you bring the shutter speed um, whilst taking a photo for the drone to be stable enough to, for it not to be blurry mm. um, at night? Um, that's, that's quite key. Um, so, so a lot of it's in the settings. Yeah, it is in the settings, but we we do like to to use um, a particular drone, don't we, for the cinematic shots? Yeah, which is one that me and you um, yeah. use jointly. So the the filming is is a bit different. The the photos you can you can take a really good drone photo on a on a super cheap drone. Mm-hmm. You really can, um, and and even the Mavic Mini, you can take a great photo on it. Perhaps not from really far away. Um, but closer up, really good pictures. Um, yeah, yeah you get phenomenal photos. So, when it comes to filming to get the very best results, uh, we use the Inspire Two, 
and um, the reason it's so good is it's super stable in the air and it's like a it's like the size of a small dog yeah that's how I describe <laughs> it it's the same size as our Jack Russell yeah and <laughs> it it carries the camera underneath it's which is operated independently from from the drone flying so the the pilot can focus on flying the drone um, and doing it safely and being in the right position for the person who's operating the camera um, so as that that enables the person operating the camera to really focus on getting all the settings right so yeah it comes back to the settings again mm. it's so important to know what the camera likes some some cameras will be at their sharpest at sort of 5.6 aperture um, whereas if you shot at, at 2.8 it might not be you might not get get the most of that sensor because uh, they're, they're only small sensors on, on these drones mm-hmm. um, unless you go into the realms of heavy lift and, and lift your Sony a7R4 into the air. Um, it's all about, yeah, get, getting the most of the sensor, really. It's and all about the movement as well, though, isn't it, with it? Um, so if Mike's flying and I'm doing the camera, it's about working together yeah. um, and planning the, the flights and the shots that you want to take um, before before you take off um, and just communicating the whole entire time. We do anyway with any drone. We work together, obviously, because it's important that... Um, you know that that we're safe, um, but it, it, we work together to, to to get the shots, and it's actually really satisfying when the drone's in the air, um, and you know we we want a particular shot, and you know Mike's flying one way, and I'm doing the camera so that it's focusing and independently, just knowing that we're going to have a look at that after um and see the footage you just you just get like it's just really exciting mm. and then sort of we you know we, we rush rush home and then put it straight on um with a cup of tea and look at it and just feel it it's it's a lovely feeling um just to see how the, the smooth you know how smooth the footage is and um yeah we, we just love producing it don't we yeah so so i think another tip would be um practice yeah, definitely. Keep practicing, trying again, try different things. Um, if, you, if you're filming, to get a really nice, buttery, smooth um, parallax shot, um, the, it's good to have the drone moving one way and then the camera moving the opposite direction. Yeah. Because then you find with the um, with the, the, the sort of rolling shutter most of these drones have got, it comes out nice and smooth rather than jerky. And that kind of leads me on to the 180 degree shutter rule um which gives the the image the right amount of motion blur so uh, a good tip is to have the the shutter speed at twice uh, the fps the frames per second oh, so okay. yeah if you shoot in 25 frames a second um have the shutter speed at 50 and then you'll get the nice amount of motion blur you used to see in on the movie screens mm. and, and that works that works really well um, and sometimes to achieve that, you might need to control the amount of light that comes into the camera um, physically by, by putting a filter on the end of the lens, um, a neutral density filter, ND filter, to reduce the amount of light that's coming in. So it's a lot of a lot of um, what goes into getting the, the best shots is it's in the settings. It really is. Mm. And yeah. Um, and you, you can still, I know I mentioned you can, you can get lovely photos and really, really cost-effective drones. You can get lovely video as well. 
Um, it's, uh, I'd say if you've, say for the mini, for, exist, uh, for example, um, if you were filming during sunrise or sunset, um, you'd still get some really good results with it. Um, they might not be, might not be good enough for a TV commercial, um, but they'd be really good. They'd be great. And, and it's, um, that leads me on to post-production as well. So to get the, the best results out of a specific sensor, you might have to turn the sharpening down um, on the drone. So the image isn't sharpened. Right. Yeah. The drone, And then you, tweak it in post-production on, on whatever program you use to edit with uh, to, to get it right. It's, um, it's, there's, a, there's a lot that goes into the end product. We, we, don't, um, we don't just shoot and, and that's it. It's, it's just perfect out, the out of the drone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah there's, um, so usually we like to film in a flat profile because um, that, that captures a lot more data. So if it's on a... If it's on a Mavic Pro 2, they've got a D-Log-M setting, which films 10-bit uh, color, uh, which is which is a lot of color information um, that can be pulled around in posts. And then the the Inspire 2, and that can film in RAW. And it's like editing. It literally captures a, a, a RAW photo every – 25 RAW photos every second. Wow. Um, yeah, it's so clever. Uh, and then it – you import import those into Premiere Pro or DaVinci um, or Final Cut, and that's then your your film clip that you can you can just edit the colours exactly as you, as you want want it to display. Um, so there's a lot that goes on in post, but I'd say for for someone picking up a drone or just starting out, definitely learn the settings mm-hmm. inside out. Um, quick a quick recap. For photos, always shoot in RAW if you can, um, and always shoot in uh, three-bracket exposure. So you get one image slightly under, one on point, and one overexposed, and then you can you've got a lot of fe- flexibility in post. Right. Um, and then for film, it's it's uh, it's yeah, getting the exposure set up right. Uh, the camera movements are really important, um, and then for both, it's it's the composition. Composition's key. So to do mm. some research on that. And lots of experimenting from the sounds of it as well. Oh, so much. Yeah. yeah. I mean, my, my first drone shots, I don't know if you guys have had a look, but if you, on, on our Instagram, right at the beginning of the journey, some of my shots are horrific. And <laughs> <laughs> they're so bad. And, and There's one where the dog's actually chasing the drone. Yeah. And it's just, <laughs> it's, it's just exposed completely wrong. It's all jittery because I had the, the shutter speed wrong. Um, it's, it's been a journey. You don't, don't, don't be hard on yourself. You, it's a journey that you you go on really. Um, and it's, I kind of, I learned to control, um, ground cameras at the same time. Um, and I think, yeah, treating the drone more as a camera than something you fly about Mm. is, is important. Yeah, I think that's a it's a good distinction to make actually because a lot of people just think it's uh, it's a, it's an entirely different beast. But I guess from from, from listening to to you speak, Mike, it sounds like you don't discard everything you've learned on the ground and the principles and the the physics. It's 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 an equal part to play up there as it is down here. Definitely, 
definitely. Mm. Yeah, it's um, it's literally yeah, tripod in the sky, tripod in the sky, and uh, the the beauty is you can you can put it where you want pretty much, and it's yeah about about getting those settings and the moments right as well. Now, just just wanted to quickly remark in real time. Um, I'm looking at your Instagram page, and I mean it's all genius, but this is particularly genius. What you've done is you've used the, the, the three width squares and you've got panoramics on there, but you've made the pan, panoramics on the individual shots, which is absolutely phenomenal. I've never seen anyone do that before. So you've got one of, um, I'm looking at, I think it was March 20 last year. And you've got okay. one of the, the sunset at uh, the pier and the one above it then is looking out at the, I guess what's that? That's uh, top of the, the playing fields as you look out towards the, the, the tower or the towers. And that's brilliant. I mean, it's probably it's probably a well-established thing that people have done, but it's it looks so so good in a way which you've kind of you've split them out, but then you've reformed them from that perspective as you scroll through Instagram. It's brilliant. Oh, thanks, thanks very much. Yeah, it's um, that's awesome. Instagram's just a great place for for what we do because it's it's so visual, mm. and I've, I've put a lot of effort into Instagram actually. So I'm, I'm pleased you pleased you noticed. It's yeah, no, definitely. It's it's good fun. It is Isn't good it? fun, and we've been through all kinds of stages on there. And as to how we present our work and what we do, um, whether it's a yeah three split panorama, or we've got one row that might have more orange in it than than mm. any other color, um, to just keep it an interested. Yeah, yeah, mm. definitely keep keep it interesting. And I think what I'd like to do at some point is. Do um do some sort of video to just follow the feed down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To where it started, that could be interesting. Yeah. Or, or maybe, maybe a, a small book with all the images and little descriptions. That could be nice. Mm. Um, mm, I'd buy that. Would you? Yeah, yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you you guys sort of started following me on my photography journey back in 2018 when I first sort of joined Instagram as a as a photographer. Unfortunately, I don't really get a lot of time to do that now, but um, I try to where and when I can. Um, a lot of my energy sort of goes into the podcast now. Okay. Um, but I've got a, a question from a listener, uh, Gemma, but I'm going to pin my own question onto it as well. Uh, it's, it's an interesting one. Have you ever had a drone malfunction in an inappropriate place, like above water, or have you ever got stuck in a tree? And so much to the point, I've added this on because I'm a little bit of a nervous flyer like Alex. How do you overcome your fears of flying a drone over open water? Because, yeah. again, sort of um, looking at your Instagram, there's one of um, – it's looking at the at the tower and you're – clearly above ports of harbour and it just looks terrifying but equally beautiful okay so water's actually one of the best places to fly over yeah isn't it, mike it is um because it's it's the safest um there's no it's, there's no congestion um we've because we plan every flight um we've been I think we've been incredibly well. We've been lucky. Oh yeah, we've been so lucky. Um, there, there, there's electronics, isn't there? And and anything could happen. There, there could have been a manufacturing fault or anything. So you've you've got to. I'd, I'd say that the the key to to being relaxed and, and flying over water is to 
just just make sure you know you've done all you can um, to ensure it's a safe flight. So flying over water, if you're if you're taking off and landing from a boat, for instance, um, don't leave the return to home. That is the one that. I would <laughs> say. So we've we've obviously yeah we've been flying for a while now and we've we've um, yeah we've learned a lot of lessons, but um, I'm not going to say it because um, it, it, it'll jinx something. Will jinx. <laughs> we've been very lucky. Yeah. Um, uh, with with our drones um and um yeah it, it's it all comes down to planning a lot of the time yeah but um yes we did have one in, incident where um we went out filming on boats and um this a few years ago this it? was a few years ago yeah, yeah. About, about two two three years ago yeah. now and we were in the middle of the solent um on, on a yacht and we, we put the 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 inspire up um and we were filming um several boats going past but the drone would only go up and down it wouldn't go um it wouldn't go any other way and we could not work out why <laughs> and what had happened is mike had left the return to home on so what had, it, it had gone back um, but it also he left a restrictor on it, so it couldn't go a certain distance. So it wouldn't go forward; it would only go up and down. <laughs> so, uh. so luckily, we had a very, very, very uh, nice chap, didn't we? That we were on the boat with, who was very good at what he did. Yeah, good skipper, very, very yeah. good, and managed to uh, on on fairly choppy water get the boat directly oh, underneath. Wow. Mm. And then Mike had to land it, and I had to. Uh, I had to catch it. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to say I did have a hard hat on and gloves. We are very, very safe. But um, mm. yeah, we definitely learned from that one, didn't we? <laughs> it, was, um, it took me a while to figure out what it was as well. So I think where, wherever you're going to be flying, um, either find find someone who's flown there before, or to, to get some advice on them. So if you've the, yeah, the bottom line is if you're flying over water, make sure your return to home is set properly. So if you if you want it to return to home you, to you on the land, uh, make sure it's set to return to home and it's got the right height. And if you're taking off and landing from a boat, make sure it's set to hover if it loses signal um, and take the distance limit off as well because that distance limit will be from where you took off originally. And if you're moving as well, it can it can get confused. Yeah. So the first time we did it, we learned the hard way, and yeah, <laughs> it was difficult. <laughs> but but drone and everybody were intact. Yeah, in, intact. It's <laughs> okay. Um, and then you, you say flying into a tree. So um, last year I learned to fly FPV drones, and oh, wow. they're they're really interesting. So FPV stands for first person view. And basically, you wear VR goggles that display a screen of what the what the drone sees at the front, mm. and so it actually feels like you're flying. And there's most of the current FPV drones they they don't have GPS, and if you let go of the sticks, it will fall out of the sky. And they're a bit they're a bit like a helicopter if you. If you lean forward, they'll fly forward. Um, and then if you if you let go of the stick, it's probably still pointing forward, so it'll carry on going forwards. Mm. So they're they're a bit different to fly um, to your everyday sort of GPS enabled drone. And God, what a learning curve it's been. So so yeah, in safe controlled spaces, um, I, I 
I've, I've been learning to fly those, uh, which was a, a bit of a journey. Um, involved flying on a simulator first um, on, online. So you learn how to fly on a computer first. And yeah, my, my first couple of flights, I, I had a couple of incidents. I, I um, yeah went into a tree and... <laughs> um, and I, I had a motor failure actually on, on one of them. Um, is a faulty product that we had to send back. Oh no! Yeah, but it was uh, that was with the, these FPV drones. Yeah, they're um, a lot different to the ones that we we fly to um, to get a lot of our to get a lot of our pictures and videography. They're they're a different ball game, aren't they? It's, yeah, it's been a learning curve, um, and and since those initial sort of learning stages, we've we've. I flown an FPV drone off um, off uh, was it Whitfield Shopping Centre? Oh yeah, yeah. Whitfield Shopping Centre, Central London. Uh, flown oh, one right, off yeah. there um, around Cascades, around Gunwolf Keys, and and now it's sort of tried and tested, and you know what we're doing with them, they're okay. Um, but that was a learning curve. That was a huge learning curve. Um, and I'd say other near misses have been. <laughs> Probably seagulls have been difficult. Yeah, seagulls are the worst. Yeah, they've been difficult at times. <laughs> so having to fly out of the way quick and yeah. That's why you've always got to have somebody watching the drone as well as somebody flying. Not so you've got important. to have a spotter because, you know, if seagulls just like to, they, they enjoy diving, they don't do. they? Yeah. You've got to be so, quick. So, um, so back to, to flying over water, um, like, like Sarah was saying, it's actually. It's one of the safest places to fly because if it falls out the sky, which is very, 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 very unlikely, yeah. very unlikely, um, it's not going to injure anyone. Um, yeah, you might have lost your drone, but you should should have some sort of insurance in place um, just in case. And yeah, it's it's a good good place to fly. Just make sure your settings are right and and your, your battery is okay. Um, the, looking at the weather conditions is really important. Um, so make, making sure your drone can cope with the weather. Um, I think that's really good insight because when I was uh, playing around, again, when it was snowy a couple of years back, I was changing out batteries every, God, five minutes, and they have about 15 minutes. I wasn't okay. using a lot of movement. That's because it was minus two. That's it. So it was chomping through the, the, the power cell. Yeah. And I, I, I think, oh, yeah, I've still got time. I look down on my my device on my screen and say, no, no, it's it's got you know like ten percent. We're going to return to home. I think, why is it doing this? Of course, it's the weather. So it's it's really it's a quite an obvious thing. But it's even the temperatures can have such a big impact on the electronics. It's it's something yeah. I didn't really consider until I, f- I, I faced ditching my drone just in front of the Spinnaker Tower off um, off Old Portsmouth because I just didn't I didn't account for that. Yeah, it's um, you def- definitely got to watch out for it. And I think if you've if you've not got drones that if you've not got batteries that heat themselves ready to fly, in, it's mm. and even if you do, it's worth making sure they're kept somewhere warm beforehand. And yeah, yeah. even if it's in your pocket for for half hour before, um, that's going to help because uh, yeah, batteries don't like the cold. No, they don't. Top tips. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And I guess to just a conscious time, we've used up a lot of your time, but um, just a final question. So you, you guys have mentioned about, you know, you're in the planning stages of looking at the other footage and you've got the, the FPV tech now under your belt. What, what kind of, can you share any kind of insights to what kind of projects you may have coming up in 2021 that you could share with us? 
Yeah. Or concepts, if you don't want to commit or, or to mm. let the game away. Have you got any kind of concepts that you're yeah. you're toying with? Perhaps you could give um, us some insight to. Okay, so so I've been doing a lot of research into interactive videos. Oh, okay. Um, which is which has been interesting, and we've been speaking to a, a, another startup, small business, who have got this lovely software, and it's going to add a new dimension to the videos we produce. Um, I, th- I think everyone everyone's used to seeing lots of video content now, and we need something different. People have been sat in front of screens for almost yeah. a year now, haven't they? So, so interactive videos are, are going to form a big part of what we do going forward. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. Um, and yeah, I'd love to work on more documentary content. Love to work on more of that, telling people stories. So um, we will be contacting everyone who's featured in the documentary to have a chat about a few ideas um that's that's definitely going to happen just in the early stages of that at the moment though aren't we trying to think of how we can use the footage that we've got Mm. in the best way yeah that's it and it would be yeah yeah i think so yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) lots of ideas exciting stuff yeah yeah Mike could go right. You're could. opening we... opening a box with Mike. He's <laughs> got so many yeah. ideas. He's just yeah. yeah. We've uh, we've also we've been working with another drone company actually, uh, who who specialises in these FPV drones, mm. and we've together we've built two larger FPV drones that will carry cinema cameras. So the the camera we filmed the documentary on can can now take to the skies with, with um, on top of an FPV drone. Oh, wow. Quite interesting. Yeah, so we've been been working on that. Um, we'd also like to get involved in the smaller drones. Um, so it'd be nice to get some better cameras on the smaller drones. So that's, that's an interesting avenue to look into. Um, and then we've also another plan we've got is to uh, we sold a few drone experience days as part of our crowdfunder, mm. and we've not yet delivered those because it's just not felt right for the current circumstances. No. So to to get out there and and work with people to to help them enjoy drones and, and not be worried about flying them is going to be really good. It sounds like you might have two interested punters if you ever open the floodgates yeah. again. No, it sounds good. Definitely. Two more who uh, might be signing up. But mm-hmm. it sounds it's, it sounds like an exciting year ahead. You know, you've got lots of variety and versatility. So, um, yeah, we wish you all the all the luck in terms of you know what what you got planned, and hopefully you know as, as things progress this year, we can get out and about and start going back to some kind of normality again. Sounds good. Sounds good and, and really appreciate it. And I, I think, Alex, with your with your drone, it's worth you looking at the A2 CFC course at the moment. Oh, okay. If it's within that within that sort of weight category. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's worth looking at that. It, yeah. um, there's lots of different companies that, that offer the courses across the country um, and they've all got different deals. I, I think one at the moment's got a deal where you, it's £100 and they... they give you some tips and tricks as well at the same time, which is quite good. Oh, um, brilliant. So that, that would be a good idea. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's yeah. been good. Been good speaking to you. Um, I, I think the only the, the other thing about the documentary that'd be interesting to mention, going back to that actually, mm. was uh, what it what it was filmed on. So we it was all pretty much filmed on the Black Magic camera, and we used vintage glass. So none of it was modern. It was all manual lenses. Oh right. You can through. I mean, one one lens I got in a charity shop. Wow. Uh, yeah. So so it was a That's bit cool. Wasn't the easiest to film with or, or keep focus. Um, and then a few of the others were were really really nice vintage lenses. Um, so that was that was good fun. So I'm, I'm hoping to. I just I'm hoping to to work on some really interesting projects that will we'll be able to apply all the learnings to from last year and, and really, really add a lot of value. That's the, that's going to be interesting. Sounds like you've got a lot of um, exciting stuff lined up. Um, yeah. I mean, sort of to round things up. Um, I mean, thank you so much for coming on the show. I, I think it's been very insightful. Yeah, thank you. Uh, it's been very fascinating, but we'll put a link to the, um, documentary in the description and your contact details but where can our listeners find you on social media if they want to hit you up and have any more questions yeah oh brilliant really appreciate it so um solent sky services on instagram facebook and and linkedin and on on twitter the drone pilots so um yeah it'd be great to uh, be yeah interacting with more more people on social media it's always good fun um twitter we find is really good for conversations uh linkedin we find really good to speak with with clients and um and prospects and then instagram we find is really good for collaborations really really good for collaboration and, and then facebook we find just we just love sharing local content on there and got some interesting followers there so so that's good and and it'd be good to find out from from you guys and, and maybe some people that follow you what what they would be interested in seeing on our channels. Uh, we've we've been a lot of the content we put out is is our imagery and and videos, but we've we've never we've never done a podcast before or anything like this. So this is quite exciting. Thank you both for spending the time speaking to us. You know, as I say, Thank we. You. Wish you all the best in. Thank you for having us in your project. No, not at all. Um, always welcome on. Always. Yeah. Thanks. Really appreciate it. And um, yeah, I think we'd be good to do a follow up. Be really good to. Yeah, hundred percent. We'll have you on any time. Yeah. Thanks very much. <laughs> Take care. Cheers, guys. Cheers, guys. Thanks. Take care now. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye, George. Yeah. that was mike sarah and baby george um th- thank you to those guys for, for joining us on the show um hopefully alex that's the start of um many more local guests yeah we've got uh we've got lots of plans we said that our 2021 most anticipated so it's nice to actually kick off and have some good momentum behind it so we're looking forward to some more creatives as we get into into the year but um yeah great episode dan what have we got coming up planned in the next couple of next couple of weeks uh well we'll be doing our 
third and final part of WandaVision. So obviously we want people to get involved on that. So let us know your thoughts on the weird, wonderful, quirky Marvel adventures. Uh, we're going to be talking about Cobra Kai. Uh, really excited. I've just finished uh, season three. Cracking show. And of course, hopefully, uh, we'll be looking at who would you like to recast in a film or a TV show? Yeah, it's an interesting one. Sometimes they get it right, but sometimes they get it wrong. So if they're going to reboot it, what would you expect? And we have plenty more. So as usual, guys, you know we've got all the contact details in the description below. And Dan, if our, uh, our listeners want to get in contact with us about any of the episodes just heard or perhaps any questions they want to put forward to, to Mike and the, uh, the gang, how can they get in contact with us? We are on at On The Topic Podcast on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And of course, we have Gmail, which is onthetopicpodcast at gmail.com. Alternatively, you can leave us a voice message through Anchor. You can, yeah. In the description below, there is a handy link. All you've got to do is click on the link, activate the microphone on your mobile device, leave us a voice message and you can be part of the show. You put your voice straight in there and you can be in... In our episode, as plenty of people have done over the last couple of years. So you get in touch and, and get, in, uh, get involved. But, you know, for another week, I've been Alex. I've been Dan. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>